0: How we doing? Yeah, great to be at SALT again. I think it's great. I'm super excited to be here with you, especially after my first fall retreat with you guys. And um, I'm still trying to process the dance party, all right, because I've never seen anything like that before. I tried to explain it to my wife. I was just like, it's, it was just like a room of 250 maniacs just doing whatever they were doing. And I, I didn't last on the dance floor very long because my... Uh, 90s moves from a 90s kid didn't really work out well for 2019 version of 90s stuff. So I just stayed off of that. But it was, before we get into it, I wanna promise y'all two things. The first thing is this, there's kind of this growing trend that I see happening the last couple weeks at SALT is that every person that comes up here puts a picture of their kids and tries to use their kids to manipulate you. I'm not going to do that, all right? I'm definitely not going to do that. That is not who I am. I will never, ever, ever, ever put a picture of my kids up there ever to get you to try to like me. And, and what's going That's not even my child. I don't even know who that is. Like, I'm just watching every week. There's been somebody coming up here just holding the kid. I'm, I'm not doing it. It's over with, all right? You're going you're gonna to like this because we're we'll looking at the Word of God, okay? All right? Not our kids. Our kids are awesome, though. Our kids are super cute. Um, the second thing I promise you is this, is I'm not wearing this for fashion's sake. I'm wearing this because I'm genuinely cold right now, and I see some of you wearing shorts, and you people are maniacs, okay? I'm from the South. I'm going to need your prayers over the next couple weeks because I am in trouble. I'm I'm looking at some of y'all, like, yeah, he's going to be hurting real bad in about two months, and I I believe you. I 100% believe you, but so those are my two promises to you, and and I promise I won't make any more after that one just right there. But uh, we're, we're gonna be, I'm excited for us to get in this series, the I Am series, where there's seven things that Jesus says, seven pictures he gives us to kind of to give us an idea about who he is and what need he meets within us. And I think it's one of those incredible opportunities to have a really clear picture of what Jesus looks like. So if this is one of those places where you're like, this is one of those series, you're definitely gonna wanna bring people around. And it's one of those conversations that I love having because typically when I have conversations with people about who Jesus is and who Christianity is, there's what Christianity is and what does it mean to follow God? Usually what I find is that people get caught up in a conversation wants to go in what I call like secondary issues. They start talking about like, well, the church did this or this happened or what, about, what do you think about this and this group of people? And I always end up looking at them saying, hey, those are really great questions. I think there's really great answers to those questions. But here's the reality. Uh, we have to answer the most important questions first. And the most important question you need to answer is, is Jesus who the Bible says he is? That's the first question you got answers. Is Jesus who the Bible says he is? Because if he's not, none of those questions matter. But if he is, then all those questions have huge implications in your life and you need to figure out if they have implications on your life or not. I know that some of you had to take religion classes, you had to go to school or you've heard a lot of rumors about Jesus or talked about Jesus. What I love about what we're gonna do is we're gonna look into the word of God where Jesus, who we believe is God, is gonna speak on his own behalf and say, this is who I am. And I think the most important thing we can do is get right about what God is saying about himself. And so I'm excited to get about this. We're gonna be in John six, you can flip there. And as you flip there, I kind of have a question for you to contemplate. If you evaluate yourself pretty honestly, would you say you are generally more a satisfied person or an unsatisfied person, right? You're like, Ernie, that's not fair. It kind of depends on the situation. Like if it's finals, I'm, not unsat- I'm, I'm very unsatisfied. I'm, ve- I'm not content at all. Like I'm a mess. But if it's like Saturday, hang out with my friends. I am satisfied, like there's a lot of areas of satisfaction in my life, and I think, guys, if we really look at our lives and give an honest evaluation of where we are, there are moments and pockets of us living content, satisfied lives. Those things do happen, but there are a lot of parts of our life where satisfaction just isn't part of the story of our life. In fact, when you look at our culture, it just kind of thrives on not being satisfied. That's the advertisement of everything, like that new iPhone's coming out, right? All right, somebody's going to get it, and what you're going to see is there's going to be people that are going to on the news. You're going to see people. Maybe it's already out. I don't know. I'm out of the loop on this, but you're going to see that there's going to be people that are going to be lined up around the block to get the iPhone 11 or 12, whatever which one it is, with the three cameras, the two cameras. I don't know what it is, but they're going to be sitting there. They're going to be waiting to get it. They're going to be excited to get it when they get it. They're gonna be like this is the best thing ever, and all the hyperbole is going to happen. They're going to mark it on their Instagram. They took this photo with the new iPhone just so everybody knows that they have the iPhone. They're going to baby that phone, and guess what's going to happen? In a couple of months, they're going to become. With that phone. They're gonna, and in a year, they're going to be annoyed with that phone. They're just going to throw it across the room and be like, ah, oh, I wish I had another one. And then they can continue the cycle over and over and over again. We do this all the time. We get excited about shows. We get excited about this thing. What's the next big thing? What's the next amazing thing? And, and, and it's always this culture of unsatisfaction about where we are and what we have and, and always wondering what the next thing is in order to fill the noise, to fill the void in our life. And there's a guy that kind of wrote a song. All right, cool, good, he's not too old, that's a good deal. All right, John Mayer, all right, wrote a song called Something's Missing, and I'm not gonna sing the lyrics because you'll all leave immediately once I, if I did start singing, but I'm gonna say them, okay? And he says this, something's missing, I don't know what, how to fix it, something's missing, and I don't know what it is, and he just starts going through this list. He's like, friends, and you hear his voice like, check, and you hear like, money, check, good sleep, check, opposite sex, check, guitar, check, microphone, check, messages waiting on me when I come home, check, And then as the song kind of fades in the end, he says this thing, it's crazy. He says, how come everything I feel like I need always comes with batteries? He's like, what do you think that means? And I think that John Mayer is kind of pointing to something that is very true in our culture. That we live in a culture where we have everything we could possibly need and yet be completely unsatisfied and restless and tired. You look at a guy like John Mayer, he's like, what, like, he's living the American dream. Anything you would ever want. Like He's like one of the best guitar players. He's one of the best rock stars. Like, The dude is a dude. And yet here he's writing a song about how unhappy and unsatisfied he is. And I think people like that song because they resonate with it. Because here's the reality. You may not be John Mayer, but in the world, you are John Mayer. You realize that, right? Like you live in the richest country, in the richest time, in the richest place that's ever existed in all the history of humanity, that 99% of the world would trade spots with you tomorrow. You are the John Mayer. And yet here we are sitting here unsatisfied, frustrated, restless, distressed. And we are such artists at covering it up. Like we are such art like when we cover it up with busyness, right? I can't have just like one, I can't have just like one social media. I remember when Facebook was just like a picture and a thing and now it's all this stuff. Now there's, there's Twitter and there's Instagram and then there's, then there's Snapchat. And then y'all have like multiple Instagrams. I found that out. Some of you like fake grams, whatever you call them or whatever. I don't know what the word is, but you have them. It's just like just filling your day with business, And that's what we do. We fill our time. We fill our stuff so that we don't have to sit. But in the quietness that we do actually stop, you know, in the moment where you go to a camp and you can't get service, you keep checking your phone because you're just, you're just not used to not having something to do. You don't know what to do with yourself. There's this quiet little voice in you that says, there's this want, this, oh, why am I antsy? Why am I not satisfied at this moment? And some of you are like, Ernie, I could tell you why I'm not satisfied because there's a relationship I want or there's a marriage I want or there's, a, there's kids or there's a job, a career that I want. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but I think when I get there, I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied. But you know, that's a lie, right? You know how you know that's a lie? Go look at the things you journaled in junior high for. You got some of those things and you wish you didn't, right? I go look at it, and first I go, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was so emo, this is so sad. Like, why did I wanna date Becky? Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? There's a lot of things that you, you think you want, that you wanna get, you're like, oh, this is it, this is it, and it never really pans out. It still leaves you in the same place. And if this is you, if you resonate with anything I've been talking about right now, then I want you to know this, that you're in the right place. Because you're in a place where we believe that in Christ, there is freedom from the constant feeling of want and insecurity, from expectations of other people, a place that's safe, a place that you can be accepted, that this is a place, guys, where we believe that everything you need is found in Jesus alone. And in him, you have complete satisfaction. So you don't have to wander through life wondering what is that itch you have to scratch? What is that thing you have to figure out where you'll finally be happy And found. It's right there. It's in Jesus. So we're going to open up to John 6, verse 25 and 37. And as you flip to that, I want to give you some context about what we're talking about here, about how everything's found in Jesus. Uh, Jesus, by this point, by John 6, has been doing a lot of ministry. He's healed a lot of people. He's got a little crowd following around. And the day before, the story we're going to be looking at was Passover. It's important that you remember that. And on Passover, Jesus fed thousands of people using a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. He fed thousands and multiplied them just miraculously, a miracle from God did it. And, pe- and the people saw that and they tried to make him king and he disappeared, ran off. He's like, no way. And I don't know if he used his Jesus powers to get out there. I don't know if he's got some jig moves like he's playing some flag football. I don't know what it is, but he got out of there and the people couldn't find him and they went looking for him for an entire day and they found him the next day. And they found him the next day. And this is what they said. Look at verse 26. It says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which is the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. What can you do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do so that we we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives you life, gives life to the world. Then he said, sir, give us this bread always. And he said, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one comes to me will ever be hungry. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again, but as I've told you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe me. When we look at this passage, it begs two questions that I think we need to ask. And these two questions reveal to us, I believe, why we don't find satisfaction in our life. And in this passage, it also gives us one answer. And the first question we have to deal with that this passage begs is this, do you want Jesus or just his things? Do you want Jesus or just his things? See, when Jesus, when people encounter Jesus in this situation, he exposes their motives. These people are coming to him like, yo, how did you get over here? Like, what happened? And Jesus is not having any small talk. He looks at him and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to just cut straight to the chase right now. You're not here because you want anything to do with me. You're here because you want the bread that I gave you the day before. You're wondering if you're gonna gain from this relationship. You're not following me because you want me, you're following me and seeking me out because of what you may gain, the stuff that I have you want. It's like that Drake song, he's, like, he's saying to him, it's like, you are fake people and you're showing me fake love, all right? That's who you are. I don't want anything. that I can see what you are. I'm calling you out for who you are. And the thing is, that's true. They are choosing. We see throughout the passage. They are choosing to follow Jesus, not because they believe of who he is. They're choosing to follow him because they want the stuff that he has. And it's sad. It's truly sad. Because they're talking to the right person, but they're asking the wrong questions. Like, what a tragedy. There they are standing before the Son of God. And he's offering them so much greater than what they're asking, and they don't even care. They're missing it. And guys, I think we have a lot in common with these people than we would like to admit. That we are guilty of this too. That we want the things of God often, but not God. And I know because it's true in my life. Throughout this week, I can look at several things that I was pursuing, and it wasn't because I wanted God, but it was because I wanted something that God could give me if I did that. Have you ever found yourself in that place that you realize what you're pursuing is, I'm not pursuing a relationship with Jesus. I'm pursuing Jesus' stuff. And it comes out in the most subtle of ways sometimes. It really does. In fact, sometimes maybe it comes, I'm gonna give you kind of a couple of examples of it. Sometimes it comes out like this, that you are, you're in a place and things are hard and things are difficult right now, and you're sitting there and you're mad at God. You're like, God, why are you allowing me to do this? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Like I go to Connection Group, I go to SALT, like I go to church, I do all these things, and my friends don't do any of those things, and life just seems to come easy for them. It seems to come hard to me. You owe me, God, why don't you give that to me, God? Why is it so hard for me? You see what's behind that? Like, you, yes, you're asking God, you're bargaining with God, like, I'll do this for you if, if you do this for me. But even that's underneath that, look at what your pursuit is. It's not Jesus. It's his stuff. God, I don't want you. I want your peace. I don't want you. I want your favor. I don't want you. I want what you could bring into my life. We, we do this in dating too. Man, dating it is so funny. We do this thing where we're saying, hey, we're gonna, we're, we see that dating's an idol in our life, and so we're like, oh, I'm gonna, not, I'm gonna take a break from dating, I'm gonna date Jesus for a while, you know, and uh what, we know what your motive is in that, is that really, secretly, you want to be in a relationship, but you know it's, but you know God's not giving it to you because it's an idol in your life, so if you could prove to him that's not an idol for long enough, then he'll actually give it to you, right? You have that friend that's like, yeah, I just, I, relationships were totally an idol in my life, and then I just gave it up to the Lord and gave me a relationship, like, hmm, maybe that worked for me. How we weird is that? Think about that. Hey, it's an idol in my life, so I'm going to pretend to give it up and so that he'll give me that idol. You're trying to fool God. It's a weird game you're playing with yourself. But again, you're looking at God and you're saying, I don't want you, God. I want your stuff. I don't want you. I want your stuff. Sometimes he even shows up in our involvement at SALT, that you come to a place like this, and you're not seeking the Lord, you're seeking the things of the Lord. You love the relationships that are formed here, right? You're looking for the hey, future Mr. or future Mrs. Are you looking for like friendships and you're enjoying the community of it and you're enjoying the things about, the friendships that you're making, the memories you make, that's why you're here, but you're not here pursuing God. You're hearing seeing what God can add to your life and your college experience. Here's a question to think about. All right, if the community sucked here, would you still be following Jesus? Are you in love with God's blessing of community? Or are you in love with God? Here you have a group of people that are in love with the blessing of God, but they're not in love with God. They're pursuing the blessings of God, but not the things, that, not God himself. Why is it that we go to God, not wanting him, but his stuff? Like in our mind, we know God's better. We do. Intellectually, we understand it. The problem is, is our heart that we don't believe it. We see sometimes God is a piece of the puzzle of our life to make it all come together instead of the entirety of it. Because there's a piece of our heart that really believes what we see in the world, that what's really gonna bring life together for me if I marry the right person, what's really gonna bring life for me is if I get the right job, what's really gonna bring life to me is if I have success and fame and all these things. Man, it'd be so great if I was Taylor Swift, it'd be amazing. If I was just T-Swizzle, life would be good. But here's the reality. If all that stuff satisfied, then why is it that we have so many millionaires, so many actors, so many famous musicians in rehab? So many of them on antidepressants. So many of them just openly saying stuff like Jim Carrey said. I can't believe he said this. You may not know who Jim Carrey is. Extremely, extremely successful weird comedian. And he said this, he said, I hope that everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of. So they will know it's not the answer. That guy's not a Christian. He's not a follower of Jesus, but he picked out on something that all the things he thought would satisfy don't satisfy. And we do the same thing. We look at the blessing of God sometimes. And we think the blessing of God will satisfy us. And really, who's gonna satisfy us is God. It's true. So the one reason we don't have satisfaction is because we look for satisfaction in God's stuff and on him. The second one is this, that we don't find satisfaction because we don't believe Jesus for who he is. We don't believe Jesus truly for who he is. That's exactly what these people have done. And the question that we need to ask is, do you believe in who Jesus says he is? That's the question we're gonna have to deal with right here. These men did not believe who Jesus was. It's clearly seen throughout the verses. Look back at the passage. Look back at verse 27, okay? Remember, right at 26, he looks at them and says, hey, guys, you're full of fake love and fake people. I don't want anything. Like, you don't want me. You just want my stuff. And then, so Jesus exposes them. And in 27, he starts pointing out their problems. He says this, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. You know what Jesus is saying to them? He's saying this, stop looking down and around you for satisfaction and start looking up. You're working your entire life to find satisfaction and things that you can't find satisfaction in, which is the stuff around you. Look up to me, look at me. And this is how they respond. They go, what can we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus replies, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. So Jesus looks at him and says, hey, stop looking down, look up, look for me. I'll bring satisfaction into their life. And like, well, how do we work? How does this work? How do we work? What's the work of God? What's the work of eternal eternity? And, and Jesus says, this is the work of eternity, is that you would believe in me. What an amazing statement. What a beautiful thing. Jesus is looking at a bunch of people that just want his stuff, and he's inviting them into relationship and saying, Hey, believe in me. Just believe in me. And look at this, they still don't get it. Because they go, Hold on one second. They go, Verse 20, 30, they say, What sign then are you going to do so we may see and believe you? They asked, What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. What just happened? Jesus says, believe in me. And they were like, hold on, well, let's just, ver- let's- I'm gonna trust, but verify here. I'm gonna check this out for a second, okay? We saw it. you did some really cool stuff, but Moses did that too. Why don't you do something that'd be greater than Moses so that, we're know- that you know that you're greater than Moses? And Jesus is like, get your mind off the temporal and get your mind on the eternal. See, the core issue that these men have, these people have, is they don't believe Jesus when he says that he's the son of God. I love it when you go to your religion classes and and your teacher tells you that Jesus never claimed to be God. Just look at the last couple of verses. Like how many times did he say he's the son of God and made a claim that he's the son of God? It's ridiculous over and over and over and over and over again, but they don't believe it because they're captured in the temporal and they're blinded to the eternal. They see him as a good teacher. They see him as someone that could benefit his life. They see him as someone that would make their life a little bit better, but they don't see him as God. They don't see him as the son of God because they would ask different questions than they're asking. It's very clear. And, he conf- and God confronts them in this moment and he confronts their blindness by even bringing up the bread again that they brought up. He goes, hey, I'll tell you about the bread. Remember how I said earlier that, that Jesus did what? On the Passover. He fed a bunch of people of bread. You know what the significance of that is? You know what the Passover is? That's when the Jews celebrated God's deliverance of the Jewish people out of Egypt. And then when they wandered around, guess what God fed them with? Bread from heaven, daily. It was manna, it was laying on the ground. What did Jesus do on the Passover? He fed them bread from heaven. He fed them bread from heaven. Here's the thing. There's a prophecy in the Old Testament that tells us that when the Messiah comes, he would renew the same miracle. I mean, Jesus is like, hello! Do you see me right now? Did you not see what I just did yesterday? Do you know what that means? Do you understand who I am? I'm not some dude. I'm God. And they're not getting it. They're doubting, they're like, whatever, man. Cool. They were like, Hey, later on in verse 32, like, Hey, sir, can you give us that bread always? Cool. You got some honey wheat on you? You got some white bread? I'm with that bread. They're still asking him for bread after he made that statement. That's crazy. He see, and as wild as this, that they miss it. I know I miss it. I forget who I'm talking to all the time. Like intellectually, I understand who he is, but really how I live my life out, I forget who I'm talking to all the time. See, so much of the time, I'm not satisfied in my relationship with God is because I'm not treating him like he's God, right? Isn't that the root of the issue? I go looking for God's stuff because I don't really believe he's God, that he has everything to offer to me. So I think maybe his stuff would. Isn't that the reality for most of us? We're unsatisfied because when we look at Jesus, we don't see him for who he is. For many of us in this room, we trusted him for salvation. But we're not trusting him for for our (laughs) satisfaction. To be satisfied. Because we believe in our heart of hearts that this is really kind of how it works. We would never admit this, but we believe in our heart of hearts this is how it works, is that God has saved me, now it's up to me to bring about joy in my life because he's already given me everything I need. I just need to produce it. I just need to make it happen. That's what many of us believe. That's how many of us walk this out and we chase, after, we chase after the things of God and we chase after the things around us because we don't take God at his word that when he says, I am God, I have everything you need. We're like, yeah, but I want this too. I want you, Jesus, but I want you plus this. Is that okay? Jesus isn't enough. So we think. The reality is whatever that thing is that you put in that blank, it's never gonna satisfy you. Whatever that thing is, like I joke about this with with dudes, you know, when I do, do discipleship with them and accountability, that like, Honeymoon sex is just above Jesus returning. He like, God, could you just come back after the honeymoon? And they're just sitting there going, man, I just like, it's like, do you realize how weird that is that you're saying that, that you're saying that you would prefer honeymoon sex over the return of Jesus Christ at this moment? Are these things out of, they're like, oh yeah, weird, yeah. It's a strange thing. The strange conversation that we have. But the reality is whatever you put in that blank, it's not gonna satisfy you, it never was, you know why? Because everything you can find outside of Jesus was created by Jesus and it's all around you and it's all broken and it's all fallen and in need of redemption just like you are. And broken things that are fallen and in a need of redemption can't redeem other things, only God can. See, some of you in this room, you're just like the men in the story. You see Jesus and you just see him as someone to be added to your life. You don't follow Jesus. You just see him as someone to be benefited to you that maybe he can give you some things in your life to make you live your life a little bit better. And here's the thing, I feel really sad about that because I feel like you're missing out. Because the best thing about following Jesus is Jesus and not his stuff. It's Jesus, it's not his stuff. Think about that. Because whatever you're looking for, it's not gonna match up to him. And so Jesus gives us the solution. He says this, Jesus himself is the source of our uh, satisfaction. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. And that word bread right there, it has this significant meaning outside of just like the Exodus 16 uh, prophecy about the Messiah, but it also has this, this significance in the ancient world that bread was something that was most commonly used. It was the most necessary food that you can imagine. Like living without bread would be impossible. It would be like equated to starvation. Bread was so important to daily life. To do without it, you would die. And so here Jesus is saying, when he says not only saying I'm, I'm the Messiah, but he's saying I'm the one you can't do without. I am the one that can't, you cannot do it without. I am the person that you're looking. So, and, and so when he says that, what he's saying is that our needs are met in Jesus, not by means of Jesus. Jesus didn't say that he had the bread of life. He said that he is the bread of life. Jesus is saying that I am the one that satisfies you, not, not the one that brings satisfaction to you, but I am the one that satisfaction comes by by having a relationship with me. Listen to me, the way that you have been built is the same way like, like GM built cars to run off of gasoline diesel. God has built you to run off of him. And when you start shoving other things into your your tank, thinking it's going to keep you going, you're going to break down, right? Like you put a carrot in your car tonight. It's not, you may make it a day or two, but it's not going much further for the week. That's going to be a problem. Keep shoving carrots in there. Like 20 carrots to get me home. You're not, it's not going to work. All right. Your car is not Bugs Bunny. Okay. He does not run on carrots. Okay. And so it, we've, been, we've been built and we've been made to find our, our satisfaction, in our life in Jesus and who he is and our satisfaction guys, it when it's, because it's found in Jesus, that's the best place it could ever be found. The best place. Think about it. Think about this for a second. What greater thing could God give you to find your satisfaction than himself? Everything else would be second best. I'm married. I love my wife. She's amazing. But if she was the place where I found my satisfaction, we would have, I'd have a rough, a rough, rocky marriage and life. And she would too for me. She would have left me a whole lot longer ago because I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I can't give it to her. I can't provide that for her. I just want you to sit and think about that. That God loves you so much, desires relationship with you so much that he built and created you to find absolute satisfaction in him that he doesn't wanna just give you something. He doesn't wanna just say, hey, good, you don't have to worry about your sin, I've already dealt with that. But he desires relationship with you so much that he has built you and made you and created you to find satisfaction in relationship with him. How amazing is that? Like, what could you compare that to? That's incredible. And that's why when Jesus says, he says, at the very end, he says, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. He can actually say that and mean it. And you have to understand, he's not saying for believers that the second you follow Jesus, you'll, you'll never starve. You'll never be hungry. Nothing bad's ever gonna happen in your life. Look at the context of, this, of the, the paragraph. The, the, the guys that are talking to Jesus, they're talking on a temporal level and Jesus is bringing him to an eternal perspective. Not once did he talk about physically eating bread. He was talking about himself. He was talking about satisfaction for their soul. And that's what he's saying here. He says, hey, guess what, you guys? You that trust in me, you that follow Jesus, you that follow him, you will have satisfaction at a soul level that your soul will never be hungry for anything else. You'll never be thirsty for anything else. He's speaking to the deepest parts of us and who we are. And that promise is better than any earthly gain you could ever have. Think about that. A million dollars are peace for your soul. A million dollars are eternal rest with God, knowing that your eternity is taken care of. When you have rest for your soul, here's the reality. Bad things still happen, things still happen in your life. But that supersedes any situation that you would ever experience. When you see Paul talk in Philippians about the secret of being content, and when he has little or much or less, it's because he said, why? Because I found my strength in Jesus, not in me. I found the secret of contentment and it's found in, in finding my life in Christ, not finding my life and all these things that I'm doing as a student, as a teacher, as a, as a cheerleader, as whatever, as a story person, as a friend, I don't find my identity, I find everything I am in Christ and it's enough, it's enough. And so when bad things happen, I don't have to worry about it. When I'm homeless, it's not a big deal because I have Jesus, it's enough. It kind of looks like this. On my wedding day, just about everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, right? We get there, the programs, our names are misspelled and messed up. We forgot the wedding favors. Laura's entire family didn't show up to the wedding because of a funeral that they randomly, three weeks out, put on our wedding date And they got mad at us for not moving the wedding. It's like, those things take a wild plan, okay? So they're not there. My groomsmen are late to things. There was just like, just chaos. I almost forgot to shave immediately afterwards. Guess how much any of that bothered me? Not one iota. Because I knew what that day was about. It was about that day where Laura and Gherkin became Laura Gherkin Benoit. And as long as that happened, everything was gravy. Because that gave me perspective about what really happened. And when Jesus says, Hey, I am the source of your satisfaction, and you draw near to him, then all these things that seem really important and try to climb up on the throne of your heart and run your life and tell you what's important, they're not that important anymore because there's someone already sitting on the throne and there's someone already running your life, and it's Jesus. It's amazing. And here's the kicker. Right after Jesus says that, he says this chilling statement. He says, but as I told you, you've seen me and that you did not believe. I want you to think about that for a minute. These are men that saw Jesus heal people. They saw him take a few loaves of bread and feed thousands. They're having conversation and he's pointing out the truth of who he is and saying, you're worried about this, you have your head down, you need your head up and you need to look at me. And still they don't believe. In fact, they're asking for another sign. Some of you in this room, God has been pursuing for a long time. And you keep asking him to do one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And my prayer for you is that you respond before he just says, when are you gonna believe? Some of you in this room, God is calling you to not move on from the gospel, but to stay close to him. You're a follower of Christ and he's been calling you to do something and you keep asking him to prove it to you that you're there. he's there. Okay, God, you want me to go on some remissions? Show me you're really there. God, you want me to share with people across the hall? Show me you're really there. Send me a sign. Speak to me. He's already spoken. Over and over and over again. Here's my prayer for you this week. Is that you would lay down whatever that thing is that you can't let go of. That lie that you believe that satisfaction is gonna come in whatever that is you're pursuing. And you'd grab hold of Christ. Because could you imagine, just imagine your life at this moment. What kind of life would you live if you were fully satisfied and Jesus and nothing else. How free would you be? How dangerous of a person are you at that moment? What kind of joy do you have knowing that no one owns you except for the God that gave his life for you? What abundant joy would wait for us? Jesus, thank you so much for these men and women. Thank you for all the things you've done. Thank you that over and over and over again. When I look at the gospels, I see you over and over and over again telling us who you are and telling us and beckoning us into relationship. God, you're not a God that we have to chase after. You're the God that chases after us. And so Lord, in this moment, let us just be honest in our hearts and in our minds. Where am I seeking my satisfaction from? And is it because I want your things and I don't want you? Is it because I'm doubting you? I don't believe you for who you say you are. I believe you and what you'll do. God, may we repent of that and push away from that and push towards you. God, how amazing would it be if we were free of those things and free to hold on to you. You've set us free so that we would be free. God, I just admit those so many times my walk looks like even though you've opened the cage in my life, I'm not, a, I'm not a trap to anything. I'm not a slave to anything. I still walk back into that cage and stand in it with the gate wide open. God, let me see you more beautifully than those in the cage. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We wanna make much of you, and I pray that we would. Amen.